God, we love you so much. And we just delight to be your children. God, we love you so much and we delight to receive from you. Father, help me impart all that you've put inside me. And God bless us all as we hear. Amen. And hello. <laughs> now get this bit of technology working as well. My lovely wife said, why don't you just use bits of paper? Um, it's a very good question. I don't actually have a good answer. But anyway, I like my technology and I'm determined to make it work. So, happy Easter. Welcome, everyone. So It's just great to celebrate and acknowledge these traditional church events. When we're not a traditional church, sometimes we sort of can poo-poo things and just sort of, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection every day. But sometimes it's good just to stop and reflect and, and say, Jesus, thank you so much that you're obedient. Father, thank you so much that you're willing to send your son. And uh, both the death and the forgiveness that the cross brought for us, but also the resurrection life that Jesus gives us. Um, so we're just very grateful for Jesus and for all that uh, Father did in that. And uh, so I want to look at some resurrection life, you could say, and uh, just some of the things, and a bit of my journey, really. It's a bit of sort of sharing a bit of me and, uh, and who I am and what God's been showing me along the way. And, and it's very interesting, isn't it, when you, you think, well, who am I and what, what's, what's really, what's my, what's my passion, what's my gifting? Uh, and sometimes you can look at the things that really wind you up or really upset you. Um, and if you're an administrative type, then things not quite going according to plan will really upset you. Um, if you're a creative musician type, you'll think, this is just so dull around here. Why can't we get more exciting stuff happening? Why can't we have more music and more, more visuals? And I apologize to those who like visuals because I'm the visual today. So, uh, um, so you know, but for, for me, often it's, it's about um, people and how people flourish and develop and about the freedom that people are able to live in. And it's about relationships and what comes out of that. And one of the things there's a tool or a concept that really I just can't get away from at the moment is, um, is boundaries. And, uh, and so I talked the last time I talked a few months ago now um, about boundaries and what that means. I'm going to sort of develop on from that. And boundaries are really what we take responsibility for, what we take ownership for, or what we don't, and what we allow of others to put on us or, or don't, what we have a boundary in how we give our time, what we spend our energies with, and how well do, do we use that. And so I'm going to do um, a bit about that. And a lot of this stems from a, a significant encounter in my life. So a few years ago, um, I was in a time of corporate prayer and waiting on God, um, and that, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? So get together and sort of have time. But this was a strange time because it was organized. So it wasn't particularly my choice. It was just a good thing to do. And I went along. And the room was set out really well. They'd given a lot of thought. The, the lighting was slightly dimmed. There were comfortable chairs, cushions. You could lie on the carpet. You could stand and walk around. There's soft music playing. So everything was conducive. And I was stuck there for two hours, and I knew that whatever happened, you know, I could, well, I could have got up and left the room, but I really didn't want to, to do that. And the longer this went on, and the more I saw other people really seeming to have a great time with God, the more upset and insecure I was, I was getting. And suddenly this question that I didn't know was a question welled up inside me. It came with a real sob of emotion uh, as I compared myself and found myself comparing myself negatively with those around me and thinking less of myself, this, this question sort of came up with a, a burst. Is it, is it okay to be me? Is it okay that I am who I am, I act like I act, and things around me happen as they do? And just the absolute delight when Heavenly Father said a very quick and instant, yes, it is. 
And, and that was just a very significant time for me. And that, yes, it is okay for me to be me, didn't come with a, yeah, 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 you're fine. You sit in the corner and we'll let everything else happen. It wasn't a sort of, yeah, you're fine, but we'll just sort of put up with you. It came with such a sense of expectation and anticipation that the real me wasn't yet evident. What God had planted in me wasn't really what was being shown to the world or what I was aware of. And so it came with a sense of expectation, of anticipation, of discovery that will the real Nick Treadgold please step forward. Um, So I've been on a journey since then of discovery of what that looks like. And and as I've gone on this journey, I think I've become more aware of the anxieties, the insecurities in me, and those things that seem to conspire against the busyness of life, which can just dull down your expectation, the the lack of time I've given to to dreaming and exploring, um, that can actually sort of take away the momentum that that had begun that day, and the discouragement that can come when the things are thought I was good at, I suddenly find I'm not that good at. Um, and so this has all formed part of my journey and my passion, really, to see people grow into their destiny and potential. And um, as Paul says in Philippians, the that that Christ Jesus take, took hold of him for. I'll just read that verse. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And, and that's really the, the heart that I'm coming with, that we are on a journey, um, that God is taking us somewhere, and part of that somewhere is discovering more who God's made us to be, and so we can be um, more fully us uh, in the world around us. Part of my journey also involves being a dad. I've got four great kids, uh, and now also um, a granddad, and it's just a delight to have another small baby in my life again. Uh, and just the, the delight of seeing... I, I was very naive, um, very young and very naive before when we got married, just before we started having kids. And I had this notion that babies were just little blobs, that you sort of shaped them and molded them, and, and your character would then be expressed in them. How wrong I was. And, uh, you know, just the, the thought of having one child. Oh, okay. So Lauren was so pink and frilly and girly. She wasn't like either Jan or I. I think, where did she come from? Um, and, and then Eleanor came along, and John, Luke, and David, and each of them could not be more different. Um, and yet, you know, seeing your own characteristics develop in them as well. Um, and that, that's quite a shocking thing, because sometimes you see your children, and you wonder why they upset you, wonder why they wind you up, wonder why you get really annoyed. And it's because they're you. <laughs> and they're doing all the things you don't like about yourself. So, so yes, that's part of my journey of discovery as well. And the other thing is I'm a doctor and uh, have the privilege of, uh, of talking with people and seeing them in their time of need and helping them on some of what they're facing. And it does amaze me. God has done such a great job in creation. I don't know what you think about your, your body. Are you the embodiment of physical perfection? Um, probably not uh, any one of us. But when you think about how we cope with illness, how we cope with things that happen to us, and the way our bodies do get better, and, and we can think of things like it would be great if we never got ill, but I'm more, away, uh, more amazed at the fact that we do recover. God's done a great job in making us who we are and, and the fact that we can abuse our bodies and yet they last for you know, 70, 80 years and, and keep going through all the different things. But the other part of being a doctor is you do see people come along um, with their, their lives that happen and, and don't always go as well as anyone would like. And, and I see many with poor skills in setting boundaries seem at the mercy of other people's opinions 
I see the daily tragedies of people with low self-esteem, um, with their wounds and past injustices that have happened to them, the negative influences and the environment just seems to conspire against them doing anything of value or worth and just seems squashed versions of, of what they should be. So really that's my background, if you like. That's my passion to see healthy individuals making healthy relationships and, and influencing and, and producing healthy community. And today I'm going to look at some of the tools and framework um, that can help us on this journey. And so my title is, How Does Your Garden Grow? So it's uh, nice when you sometimes get one of these things that's a little bit obscure and not just, uh, you know, Philippians 3 verse 12 or what have you. Um, so how does your garden grow? And I'm going to talk about the picture of us being a garden. I'm going to talk about how we protect that garden. And then I'm going to talk about how we have something from that garden that we can give to those around us. Um, and it's always nice when you can find something in the Bible that sort of justifies your, your, your title. And uh, it doesn't really, it's not sort of pulled it out for that reason. But Adam and Eve were created in a garden and God's commission to them was that they should multiply, that they should um, make that garden and till and cultivate it. And then as the rivers flowed from there, the intention was that that garden would be reproduced throughout the earth. And that commission still stands for us. Um, so those are some of the, the pictures of gardens. And also it's spring. So we see gardens that have been dormant all winter, and uh, my lovely wife is absolutely jubilant because rather than usually we just sort of hurry through April and May and suddenly realize that summer's upon us and we've done nothing. So this year we've been working hard, and she and, uh, and Johnny have been working together at getting some raised beds and, and starting to think about planting, and oh, it's amazing what, uh, what this garden won't be, um, isn't worth thinking about. Um, so I want to just sort of think a bit about this picture of, of us being a garden. And, and in a garden, you have good seed. And, and we have good seed. And whether you think about that or not, whether you think there's anything good in you or not, it is nonetheless true. God has given us all natural gifts and talents. And, and one of the problems, I don't know whether it's just because we're British or whether it's a human characteristic, we're not very good at celebrating what's us. And, and sometimes it's often easier to see it in someone close to you. Um, Jan, my wife, is, is a great baker, and it's taken her a while before she's realized that she can actually cook very well. Not that she doesn't cook well, but she doesn't realize that what she does is, you know, different to what other people do. And, and when it's your normal, you just think, well, just anyone can do that. But then you say me trying to roll out pastry, and you think, hmm, perhaps not everyone can cook, you know. <laughs> so, you know, there are things that we do that are our natural gifts and talents, but we don't necessarily recognize it because it's so normal and obvious to us. But also, perhaps we've never had opportunity, we've never had encouragement, or our early faltering steps were fairly quickly squashed and discouraged, and we've just decided we're never going to go back there. But God has placed good things in each one of us, good seed that he wants to develop. As well as that, um, we are born again, we are new creations, we have you know, the life of God flowing through us, and so there's good seed for us. Um, also, we've been planted in good soil. God has given everything that we need. It says, it's a great verse, just to have one of those as your memory verses, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, um, that God has given everything that we need for life and godliness. Um, and one of the best ways of growing is just by spending time in God's presence, as you do just soak in God's love, as you just allow him to speak to you, as you sit in that place of, of intimacy. Steve De Silva, when he was here, talked about sitting on the seat of love. He said he could be in God's presence anxious and fearful. Um, you could be in God's presence with an agenda. You need stuff. Come on, God, God, I need you to pull through here. 
Or you can just sit in that seat of love, that place of God, whatever. I love you and I thank you that you love me and just see what God does for you. So we're in a good place. God's planted us, given us good seed and planted us in good soil. But there is a job. Any good gardener knows you've got to nurture a garden. And how well do you do that? How well do you look after you? How, do you know what you need? Do you know what you need to stay healthy? And there are different things, you know. There's all sorts of constraints that put upon us that other people, we've sort of formed a normal. We've formed something, well, this is what I always do. But is that the healthiest way to look after you? Is it just sort of doing what you can? Or is it that you've been constrained by other people's negative expectations and you've come to this place of, I can't, I've got... I've actually got several hobby horses, but uh, one of them is the word can't, and I tend to, to react and jump down people's throats. Who said you can't? Who, who stopped you believing that you can do certain things? You might find them difficult. You might never have done it before. You might need some help and training. But why is it that we often say, oh, I can't do that? And, and there are these things that stop us doing things. Um, and the, the other things that we often do that don't let us flourish is we find ourselves trapped with activities that often can be hallmarked by I should um, or I'm supposed to and, and, you know, more of my hobby horses if if you let me. Um, So we really do need time to dream, time to expand, time to just reflect and think on what do I need to look after myself? How well do I manage my time? Do I get enough sleep? Looking for, you know, proper exercise and food and all these basics, but do we do it well? Do I make time for fun? Do I give time to play and to variety in life or is it just sort of Dull, boring, same old, same old. And how well does that make you flourish and develop? Do you spend time with people who do you good, who stimulate you, who value you for who you are and who encourage you into all that God has got for you to be? Do you read? Do you read anything? Do you read the Bible? You know, how well do you get good stuff into you? Do you spend time alone in prayer? Do you spend time in worship um, or just in contemplation? So how well do you look after you? How is your garden? The next thing just to look at is how we protect our garden. So we may be doing a really good job at looking after us, but sometimes negative influences can come. And so how well do we look after our garden? Um, And this concept of protecting our garden, this is perhaps the verse that triggered me on this line of, of thought more than anything, is Proverbs 4, verse 23. And all of Proverbs 4, it starts out saying this is a father's instruction. And it really is a great chapter, just a father speaking to sons, talking about looking for wisdom, valuing wisdom, how you manage yourself, and, and all these things. And I'm going to look at just verse 20, 23, but it is a great chapter. And it's a verse that as I read it again, I realized that I got different words because I read the Bible in different translations. And sometimes if you only read one translation, you get what that translator thinks the original word meant. But our English language doesn't always capture the complexity of what God's showing us. So if you read this verse in the NIV, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It says guarding hearts, um, but life flows from it. The English Standard Version says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. NASB is similar. um, Keep watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And the good old Amplify seems to get all of it in all together. Keep and guard your heart and watch with all vigilance and above all else that you, above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. 
So there are these different words, and when we think about looking after, the, the guard word tends to have a bit more protection of repelling all borders, of keeping nasties away. Um, so that's one part of it, but that's not enough on its own just to think of that. The other's about um, keep with all vigilance or keep watch with all diligence, have much more sense of looking after, of, of nurturing. And it's not just a, a once-off check-off, you know, just, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, no, my heart's great, end of story, and, and move on. It's got this sense of ongoing looking after, ongoing, how's it today, how am I doing, am I really managing myself well? And this question really motivates me, how do I manage me, how well do I look after my heart, and, uh, and what, what does that look like? So I want to spend a bit of time just talking about this keeping, watching, guarding, protecting, what does that look like? And the first area that we need to protect ourselves from is ourselves. We often are our own worst enemy, and our negative thoughts really can be those that pull us down and stop us moving forward more than anything else. And how well do I guard myself over negative thoughts? And sometimes negative thoughts just come. They can be a response to what you see on TV. They can be a response to what something says. It can just be a random thought. But what do you do when that random thought comes in? Do you think, hmm, yeah, no, I didn't do that very well, did I? And you can start to go down a negative train of thinking just because of a random thought that came in. Or do you think, nope, that's not, that's not a good thought. And Philippians 4 verse 8, another good memory verse, is, is one of those that has lived with me. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. And really, a, a long verse there, a sort of shortened version of that is, is a little question is, would Father God think that about me? And a little sort of question to ask yourself, if that's a thought that comes in, is that what Papa thinks? And this thought that I can't keep in my head, negative thoughts that God wouldn't think about me. The verses before that in Philippians are also worth just sort of reading as to how we look after ourselves. How do we deal with anxiety? How do we re rejoice? So just reading Philippians 4 verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, there it is. So as we look after our thinking and our minds and our emotions, that God's promise is that he will guard our hearts and he'll look after us. The peace of heaven will come in. So looking after ourselves from ourselves, protecting ourselves from others, and this is often where we think of with boundaries. Um, it's easy to get this wrong, and sometimes when we think about this, we, we're much more on the protection, the sort of keep back, I can't, can't have you near me. Um, and it's not about our comfort or convenience. This isn't about what do I like or what do I not like. It's much more what keeps me healthy. And it's important as well that we don't make rules and, uh, you know, sort of set things. Um, are there rules that you've made that there are certain things that you'll never do? So is Saturday your day off and you'll never do any church stuff? You'll never do a street outreach or, or what have you on a Saturday? Or, you know, it's just your day of, of rest and you just won't see people? Are there certain things that you'll never do? Or there are other things that you feel obliged to do. So it can work the other way, where you're over-committing yourself, you're over-promised, you always feel you've, you've got to either just because you feel you can't say no, or you just feel that if you don't, 
then it's all going to fall apart. And this false sense of responsibility that, you know, I've got to do it, otherwise so-and-so will make a real mess of it, and you feel you've got to jump in there. Um, and, and that is a temptation, because so-and-so may not be very good, but this they're not being very good just because you've let them, never let them practice, you've never let them work it, work it and grow the skills and develop that you weren't that good way back when. So there's that sense in which how well do we look at the, the boundaries that we've set. And the other reason why I like boundaries is it's mentioned so frequently in the Old Testament. So when God took the um, people of Israel into the Promised Land, he gave them very clear boundaries, both for the nation, for the tribes, but also for individual families. And there were very clear laws that said about not moving the boundary stones, not moving those markers. And this sense that each family had a set allocation, the things that God had given that was theirs to look after. And they had the responsibility of looking after theirs. And it wasn't their job to either take from or, you know, take responsibility for what was happening next door to them. And, and this sense that God has given us something, and each one of us has a something that God's given us responsibility look, to look after. Um, an area of responsibility, perhaps an area of influence. Um, there's something, a capacity that we have to, to manage and to look after. And, and how well do we do that? The other picture I like in the Old Testament is the picture of a city. Um, and cities way back when had big walls and, you know, you could defend from borders, marauding hordes that would try and steal, kill and destroy and things that would come against the city. And the city walls were there for protection. But it wasn't just, you know, solid wall. There were gates in the walls. And we often forget this when we think about boundaries, that boundaries do have that sense of protection, but they also have that sense of coming and going. And really, we, we often need to work out this, that, um, my place here. Sometimes we have to be much more coming and going with things than I think we allow ourselves. But we have to watch those. And the pictures in the Bible um, of the stories like the keeping of the Sabbath, and there's a story where the traders would come and the people of Israel were, you know, urged by God to keep the Sabbath, but the traders obviously wanted to do trade. So they sat at the city gates and the people started to come out and do their shopping. And uh, the city fathers were thinking, this is breaking God's rule. We're going to be moving away from God's blessing. So they had to shut the gates. They had to enforce a border until the traders got the message and thought there's no point turning up on a Sunday because these guys aren't going to shop. Um, and those gates had to be used. They had to be monitored and regulated. And that's the good thing about a gate is you can choose when it's open and when it's shut. Um, so obviously today our cities don't have you know, walls other than the historic ones. Um, we don't have you know, cities that sort of have that sense of protection, but we do have national borders. And we have border control and we have immigration um, that can do that. And immigration is a, a helpful picture to a degree. But a, as soon as you start to think about immigration, you think about politics, and you realize how much fear drives our immigration. We're frightened that if there's too many people in the country, then all of our resources, our schools will get overrun, our own children won't get the education, there'll be too many people with not speaking English, um, our health service will be, be swamped. You can have all these negative fears that we will suffer if people come in. Um, or there's the, the jobs, our young people won't get jobs, and fear drives a lot of our thoughts about immigration. And how true is that of us? Do we have fears that if I do this, then I'm going to suffer? If I do this, then my needs won't get met? And, and you can have those questions, but how much is fear the driver in that? And we've got to be careful that we make our choices out of love 
are not based out of fear. Heavenly Father will provide everything that we need. It might be beyond our experience so far, but if God's calling us to it, then there will be provision come along with that. And so we've got to make sure that love rules our choices. And serving is one of those areas when you think about helping within the church family. Often we make our choices more on our convenience. Um, but how often do we do it with a choice based on love? Is it our love for others? And, and I've got a test, really, of, of healthy boundaries. Is how, If you have healthy boundaries, how healthy are your relationships? And you can look at the relationships about, about you. Are they fairly sterile, just sort of superficial? People know you, but not really. Um, how well are you willing to be inconvenienced by those that, uh, that you say are your friends? Um, and are there some people that you never say no to? There are certain people who, when they ask you, just jump. Or, yeah, of course I'll do that. Just never. If that's the case, then we're likely that we'll never get the true you because you've just learned that you can't say no to certain people, but you become a bit more of a shrivel, a bit more of a sort of less version of you than you could be. You never say no, and the result is that you're burnt out with nothing to give, so you you give and give and give, and then when you get home, your family, those nearest to you, get the rubbish you, they get the crabby you, they get you tired, can't be bothered you. Um, How well do you manage you? Or do you never say yes? Are you one of those that never allows yourself to be inconvenienced? That sounds a bit like sort of a a wall of protection, a bit of a sort of keep away. Um, And we've got to make sure that we do have love from a pure heart being the goal of all that we do. So my contention that healthy boundaries are not fixed rules. Um, And it's much more as David did when he went into battle. His father, should I go up? He said, God, should I go up? And sometimes God said, yes, go straight up. Sometimes God said, no, go around the back. Sometimes he said, no, wait till you hear marching in the tops of the trees. Sometimes, you know, God would do something. And every time David asked, there was a different answer. And how well do we ask God in what we should do? Jesus, the same, he only did what he saw the Father doing. So it wasn't like there were set things that Jesus did. He asked Father, what should I do? And sometimes God says, yes, sometimes it'll be the same situation. But God says, no, not this time. And we've got to have that intimacy and that connection where we can learn to listen. And obviously, I'm not talking about areas of sin. There are choices that are fairly obviously. You just don't do that. But we're really not at that stage. And really, it's much more subtle questions that we're asking. Uh, and what's the best thing to do here? And what's right for me will look different to what's right for you. So my boundary will be different to your boundary. And, and again, comparing ourselves is, is a real danger that we've got to not just look at, oh, that's the rule in this place. So when you're in this church, you never do or you always do. That's not a, a healthy way to develop boundaries. And it's much more just developing what's right for me for now. Because sometimes it will be right and then later on it won't be right. Or vice versa, sometimes God says, no, don't do that. But as you more develop um, and become more secure in who you are, God says, okay, now you can. And uh, God's continually adjusting our boundaries and adjusting what he feels is safe and good for us to do. And God's spirit, he's not a list of rules. God is uh, is spirit, and we are following a moving target, and we can't get rigid and solidify when we're following Heavenly Dad. So yes, as we go through this process of learning what's right and what's wrong, and as we develop the intimacy, that place where we can ask these questions... Um, we'll discover a lot more about ourselves and a lot more about God. And our measures will be much more, is it good for me? Is it good for those around me? Does this reflect my delight in heavenly God? So there's protecting ourselves from ourselves. There's this notion of 
boundaries, how do we sort of keep that healthy balance between us and those around us. But I also just wanted to mention with this thought of a city and the city walls, is, is it ever right to camp outside the city walls? Can you ever do something that isn't your normal, isn't what you've felt so far to be your area of influence, your responsibility, your area of safety and provision? And, and I think it is, and I think sometimes we can be so boundaried, so protective, so, to be honest, fearful of getting it wrong that we never do things that we've done before. And we can find ourselves, oh, I'd never do that, you know. And it gets onto this, this I can't or I shouldn't. Um, and yes, if we spend all of our time outside what God has said, this is where your place of blessing is, your place of protection, then that's not healthy. And that's where we will start to find ourselves getting, getting worn out, vulnerable to attack. But our boundaries aren't prison walls. They're not saying you can go this far and no more. That is not the God of freedom. And that's not the life that God has got for us. My walls, my boundaries have gates and I can come and go. I can have a you know have an experiment i can try it and see i can do sorties i can try something for a while and see if it works what does this do you know if i do this certain thing is it working well for me is it working well for those around me and so we can do things and be a lot more brave um god is really not um not threatened by our mistakes and we are a lot less fragile than we think we are we think oh if i do that my whole world will fall apart well probably not you might be a bit rough for a you know few days or a few weeks, but, you know, you, you are much more robust than we give our permission, ourselves permission to be. So really just in, in concluding here, I'm sort of looking at that God has given us something good. He's placed us in a good place to grow and develop. And there's this notion of looking after ourselves and protecting ourselves well, but it's all with a purpose. It's not so that I just become a better me. It's so that I have something good to give. And I love this verse from Matthew 12 verse 35. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. It goes on to say the evil person out of their evil brings forth evil. But really what we are will come out and it will be a blessing or not for those around us. And really there's an accusation if you start to think about looking after me that, oh, you're just looking after number one. That's just selfish. But my contention is the better I look after me, the more capacity I have and the more willing I will be to be a blessing to those around me. And, and the opposite will be true, that looking after me is the opposite of selfish. It's actually making me better able to give well to those around. And, and I really have a dream that each of us becomes more fully who God has intended us to be. And, and this phrase that I'm not too sure I like, but we, we happen, we, we are, we, we sort of are there around those um, around us much more obviously, rather than hiding behind the mask of acceptability. Um, we become much more willing to be vulnerable, more willing to be authentic, more less defensive, content as who I am. Um, I've got a book that's on, on my list um, of things to read about embracing imperfection, that I don't have to be perfect to be acceptable to those around us, um, that I can have my you know, warts and all and trust that those around will cover those bits of me that aren't so great, so those bits that do need a bit of help or, or, or uh, looking after. Am I happy to be at Father's feet, not needing to perform for approval, that I'm not operating out of fear, but I'm able to love, and I do have something to give? And I think this is my sort of my message on this Easter Sunday, that God has done all in sending his son. Jesus did all in wiping out the debt of sin, and his resurrection life is here for us. 
and you do have something to give. You do have something amazing, actually, that is individually you. There are the general things that are true. We are God's children. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We can see the kingdom of God supernaturally around us. But as well as that, we're not little clones. We're not little robots. We're not little, you know, identikit versions of, uh, of the standard version Christian. Um, we are actually individuals, and there's something unique, unique and individual for each one of us. And, and my dream and prayer is that each of us find what it is for that that God has called us to. And we start to grow and develop and nurture that. But then we do that and we be that and we um, bless others around us with that. And just think of what would happen to the world around us if we just looked as Jesus did, going around and doing good. We looked for random acts of kindness. We became Holy Ghost terrorists that just looked to see how we can love, bomb and bless and just be around the world around us and see what would happen. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, God.